This has just been quite an adventurous Sunday, which means it's going to be really good. Amen? No one's paying attention yet. You're too wound up. It's going to be awesome. All right. So let's get in to God's word today. I'm so excited. We are on episode three. Go ahead and kill that music, guys, if you can. Way too ADD for that. And just want to remind you that if you are uh, new here today, we want to have a chance to get to know you. So if you have not filled out one of those connect cards, please do so before you leave. Turn that in to your table host or the hub in the lobby before you go. Also, how many of you can show me your Go Deep guide? If you, got a, if you got one of those handouts when you came in this morning. All right. Now, raise your hand if you did not get one. Go ahead and raise your hand and we'll have the team come around and give you one. But what this is for, if you're not familiar with it, on the first page, we do have some people over here that are missing some, they're grabbing them. Uh, the front page leaves you some space so that you can take notes. So as God begins to speak to you, how many of you know if God says something, you should try to remember it, right? So you're gonna try to write down those things that God speaks to you. And then what we want you to do is we want you to take these Go Deep guides home with you, make them a part of your prayer time with God. There's questions in there to reflect and go deeper on today's message. And so we invite you to do that with us today. So just to recap, uh, the thing that we've been focusing on is Christmas as sort of a holy day as they were intended in the Old Testament. And so if you read uh, the Word of God in the Old Testament, you see that God created these holy days so that his chosen people would not forget. How many of you say, I forget stuff a lot, and you're with me, okay? You're healing me because I'm not alone, right? You forget stuff. And holy days are meant for us to slow down and to take a closer look and to think about what it is that God wants to teach us about himself. And Christmas is no different. Christmas is a, more of a modern holiday that, that we created. You can't find the tradition of Christmas in scriptures, but the intention of it is good, is for us to slow down and instead of being overcome by, as uh, Rochelle said this morning, the hustle and the bustle, which is really fun to say, right, of Christmas, instead of getting so caught up in the traditions, the decorations and the gift giving and all that, that we slow down. And we think, what does it really mean for me that the creator of the universe created a perfect world and placed humanity in the middle of it and humanity messed it up, completely ruined it, made a mess of everything through something called sin. And at that moment, our creator had every right to wipe us out and start over. But instead, he said, I love my creation so much that I'm going to move heaven and earth and I'm going to come near to them the only way that I can. And that's to put on flesh and to come as a baby born in a manger. Because if he were to reveal himself to us in his full glory, we'd be consumed. But because he couldn't stand to be separated by us from sin, he sent his son in a manger to grow up, to give his life as a ransom for many so that you and I can step into a relationship with Jesus again. And so what does that mean for us? We learned in the first week that it means that we have uh, a hope in every situation, that we can have joy and rejoice in every situation. And today we focus on peace. The word peace in the Old Testament is from a Hebrew word called shalom. And often they would use that as both a greeting and uh, also as a farewell. I guess it's kind of like aloha, right? 
except for it's way better than that. It has so much more meaning. The word shalom actually talks about a wholeness of the whole person, and it speaks of being completely reconciled unto God. And so how many of you know you can't truly have peace in your heart if you don't have peace with God? And that's what Jesus came to accomplish, that we might have shalom. Shalom is so much more than just um, a, a, an absence of conflict, but shalom is peace of heart and mind that you can have in the midst of conflict, in the midst of hard times. And so we've been using this illustration here of the presence under the tree with the labels of the different uh, themes of Advent. And today, as we're talking about peace, we're reminded that the Christmas season reminds us that we can have peace in every situation. And when we take the time to consider the birth of Christ, what was that? You see that? That was pretty creepy, right? But isn't that funny? That's kind of how fear works, right? We're distracted, and next thing you know, we can lose our, is that thing still moving? What is this, like the ghost of Christmas past? Or Oh my goodness. I should have known he was behind it, shouldn't I? You know, what's interesting about that is for a moment, I don't know if some of you guys maybe thought this was a ghost making this move. If that were the case, I might feel ill-equipped and not know what to do, right? I, or I might take the wrong approach. I might think it's time to anoint this building with oil and perform some sort of exorcism. But now that I know it's just this pesky Grinch, I know that I can take authority over this pesky Grinch and I can take back my peace, amen? And so he's not gonna go, he's not gonna let it go without a fight though, is he? But guess what, I'm gonna take it. Oh, he's pulling back, but I'm not giving up. That's right. Now you, get yourself out of here, Mr. Grinch, because you're not going to steal our peace anymore. Let's give it up for the Grinch this morning. It reminds me of, of Peter, right? When he calls, Jesus calls him out of the boat, and he actually walks on the water for a brief moment, right? And the reason why he began to sink, which he eventually does, it wasn't because, like in the cartoons, right? where like they're running on air until they realize they're running on air and then they fall. It's like that, but not really. What happened is he got distracted by the storm and the waves and it caused him to take his eyes off of Jesus and it caused him to have fear. And when he lost his peace, he lost his footing and he began to sink. How many of you know that happens to us today? See, see Jesus gave Peter the ability to walk on water in that moment, didn't he? And he actually did it. So that proved that God fell or went through on his word, right? He followed through with his word and he was able to do it. And yet we also see he was able to lose it. That fear took from him the ability to walk on the water. And that happens to us. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning through the power of the Holy Spirit and because of the birth and death and resurrection of Christ, you have a peace that cannot be taken away from you. You can, however, sometimes unknowingly, give it away as you succumb to the fears around you. And so we wanna take some time to talk about this. Before we open up God's word today at your tables, I wanna discuss this question. What worries or fears are you most susceptible to? And how do you retake possession of your peace in those moments? So let's talk about it, and then we're gonna open up God's word. All right, all right, great discussion. 
something that I just picked up on as we're talking is I think it's kind of in our nature, and this is everybody, I think we're all in the same boat here, right? That when we look for things that bring us peace, we often look for our circumstances to change, or we look for that person in our life who's just a peaceful person that's gonna try to change our perspective and things like that. But today I wanna talk to you about a peace that is so profound that only God can bring it. I mean, how many of you think it's nice to live in peaceful times, right? To just, your family's at peace, no one's fighting, right? Anybody even know what that's like, right? Or, um, or uh, your coworkers all just get along well. I mean, it's great to live in peaceful times. But what's better, peaceful times or a peace that passes all understanding? A peace that exists in spite of what's going on around you a peace that exists even when you don't have all the answers, even when you're not sure how it's all gonna turn out. That's the peace I wanna talk to you about today. But before we do, we're gonna continue in this series of The Grinch Within. Today's message is titled The Grinch of Fear, if you haven't figured that out yet. And so as we've been doing each week, I've been introducing each topic uh, through a song parody of The Grinch entitled The Grinch Within. And so the first week we had verse one. Last week we had verse one and two. This week I'm unveiling the entire version of the song. You guys ready to hear it? Okay. Let's start it over (laughs) and here we go. You're a bleak one, Grinch Within. You're the hopelessness I feel When I'm overwhelmed by sadness And it feels I'll never heal Grinch within And when I need a hand you offer A hook and a reel Crank it up, guys, come on! You're a monger Grinch within And your fear creates a hole You fill my brain with lies And my hope you broke and stole Grinch within But Jesus restored it Fulfilling a prophecy over 400 years old 4,000 that is You're a vile one Grinch within You keep me sulky for a while You have all my dreadful memories set to repeat on the dial, Grinch within. I'm given a choice of what to listen to, so why do I even let you touch the dial? You're a sour one, Grinch within. You're a draining, complaining punk. You whisper lots of nasty thoughts and fill my mind with junk, Grinch within. But the three words I'll use to overcome you are as follows, and I quote, Sing, thank, jump. You're a terror, Grinch within. You're my scream of inner thoughts. When my heart rate's set on turbo and my head's about to pop, Grinch within. 
Your goal is to reduce me to a dump heap, overflowing with the most contagious, transmittable fears imaginable, leaving a trail of minds mangled up and tangled in thoughts. You instigate me, Grinch within, and then I flip without a cause. I buy the lies you're selling and my peace is what it cost Grinch with me But now I'm free from allowing you to carry out your will For my peace was paid for on the old rugged cross Let's give him some praise this morning You like it? You like it? I spent way too much time on it, so... Hopefully, I actually studied the word, right? I want to invite you this morning, not only does recognizing who is behind the fear, like we discovered with the Grinch this morning, not only does that help you regain your peace, but so does recognizing who is with you, recognizing who is on your side, and how ironic that the peace that comes from a mighty, powerful God that spoke the world into existence came through a baby in a manger. It's something that is so fascinating about the Bible, so fascinating about the gospel of Jesus Christ, is that everything that seems like it makes sense, everything that we reason is flipped completely upside down, and yet it's more mysterious and more wonderful and more powerful than anything we could have imagined. You know, when you look at Jesus Christ and the life he lived, the Messiah that everyone was waiting for was a mighty warrior who would come in and would overthrow the oppressive government and restore uh, Israel as their own state, their own country, and yet Jesus came to do something on an entire another level. And the Bible teaches us that one day he's coming back as that warrior, right? One day he's coming back on a horse ready to, to, to bring judgment, but it was flipped completely upside down. So today I wanna to talk to you about what Christmas means when it comes to your peace, about what our God coming in the form of a baby in a manger gives us the ability to enter his peace. But that's something that you have to do. You have to enter it. And we're gonna talk about that in just a moment. So here's what we're gonna do. I wanna invite you to stand with me first and grab your Bible if you have one. And if you want, if you use your phone to follow along, you can hold up your phone. But we're gonna make this declaration of faith because sometimes we just need to make sure that our soul is leaned in and listening, amen? So let's lift our Bibles up and read this with me. One, two, three. This is my Bible. It is God's word. When I read it and live it, I will become everything it says that I am. If you believe that, say amen. amen. All right, you can have a seat. So Paul says in Philippians chapter four, verses six through seven, a very famous passage that is gonna sound familiar to many of you. He says, don't worry about anything. How many of you have been worrying about something? Be honest, don't lie in church. You've been worrying about something recently. All right, awesome. This message is for you. It says, instead, what should you do? It says, pray about everything. How many of you, sometimes you'll admit, I waste a lot of time worrying and not enough time praying. 
I think we're all guilty of that at times. He says, tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's what, church? Peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. That means you can have peace even when it doesn't seem to make sense. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you, listen to this, say this together with me, as you live in Christ Jesus. So why do I emphasize those words? Something as I was studying this came to me, and it's this statement here, that God's peace is a door you must open and a room you must learn to stay in. God's peace is a door you must open and a room you must learn to stay in. So when he says, don't worry, but instead pray, he's saying, this is how you enter back into God's peace. If every once in a while we will wander, right? Again, that's what holy days are for, right? We can recognize where we've wandered and we can get back on track. We can come back. And sometimes we step out of God's peace and we begin to worry and we begin to instead count our blessings, count everything that's going wrong around us. And as a result, we lose our peace. But Paul gives us instructions as of how to open up that door again and step back into the peace of God. And it says that we will remain in that that our hearts will be guarded, meaning we'll be under his protection. This doesn't mean that we will never have physical harm or any social conflict, but our hearts remain under the guard of God's peace as long as you live in Christ Jesus. I have a t-shirt that I love to wear, but um, it shrunk a little bit or else I expanded, I'm not sure. And so I don't wear it as much, but it says, it's just a black shirt with white writing and it says, Jesus is not a weekend thing. And what that means is so many times we treat Jesus as a weekend thing that happens on Sunday morning at 10, 10 a.m. with a gathering of people that we hopefully like a lot and we come together and we sing songs and we feel better and then we step back into the chaotic world and by the time we're to Monday or Tuesday, we've forgotten our peace and we've completely lost it. We're flipping out on everyone. We're not living like Jesus. But in reality, the relationship that you and I have with our creator through the son Jesus is a lifestyle. It's ongoing. We don't step in and out of it, but wherever you go, you take the presence of Jesus with you. So Paul doesn't just tell us that we have peace, but he tells us how to step back into it, and he tells us how to remain in it. Submitting to God's lordship will always lead to peace of heart and mind. Surrendering to his will above what you want, of what you desire. Think about it, how often we invite unrest and anxiety in our life because we have different expectations than God has for us. And because we refuse to let go of those expectations, we don't realize we're clinging to anxiety. We're clinging to fear. We're clinging to stress because this isn't the way it should be. My situation should be different. My spouse should treat me differently. My kids should behave better. Uh, my coworkers should do their job without me having to constantly watch them. That's, Lexi, that's what she said about you, that she's always having to watch you. And no, I'm just kidding, right? And so we hang on to these expectations. Well, guess what? How many of you know that you can't control people? How many of you know that you can't control circumstances? And so have you ever stopped to think, that when I refuse to relinquish control, 
When I refuse to budge from my expectations, I'm actually clinging to fear. I'm actually clinging to anxiety. And instead, God wants to give you a peace where he says, cling to me. Cling to me and you will be okay through the ups and downs. It's like the roller coaster analogy, right? If I try to ride a roller coaster like a skateboard, I'm gonna be in big trouble. But if I harness myself in and I make sure that belt is buckled, then I'm just along for the ride. And some of you might be more afraid of roller coasters than others, but if you trust the equipment, then it's fun. But if you think at any moment you could fly off of that ride, there's no fun involved whatsoever. You're terrified for your life. So what are you clinging to this morning? Are, are you clinging to your expectations? Are you clinging to the Prince of Peace, the only one who can provide peace? And so the Christmas story announces the arrival of that type of peace, the peace that only God can give. And so just going back to review a little bit, we read a part of this passage last week, Luke chapter two, and let's look at verses 13 and 14 real quick. It says, suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others. And remember, this is the shepherds in the field, right? Are we all caught up? The armies of heaven praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. So what kind of peace is being declared here? Certainly this peace is not a lack of conflict, right? That can't be the case because let's be honest, if you read the gospels, you'll find out that in many ways, Jesus disturbed the peace. Jesus was causing all sorts of problems. Uh, at one point, a mob tried to throw him off a cliff. Does that sound like the Prince of Peace to you? It sounds like there's maybe some conflicting things, and, and unless you stop to consider that maybe the type of peace that he offers is different. Jesus said this of himself. Check this out. This might blow some of your minds. In Matthew 10, verse 34, Jesus said, don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth. Hold up. Like this is one of those things where skeptics and atheists and agnostics will point to and say, this is an obvious contradiction uh, because it was declared that he would bring peace on earth. But Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace on earth. Well, we got to look a little bit deeper. We got to look at the context. He says, don't imagine that I came to bring peace on earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. Now that sounds weird too. We got to understand that metaphorical also, right? Because Jesus never wielded a sword that we know of, right? He never came to start any sort of war. But he says, I've come with a sword. And he says, I've come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, there's a joke there, but I'm gonna keep it to myself. Your enemies will be right in your household. This doesn't sound like peace. This doesn't sound like good news. But what Jesus is saying, and here's the deal, Jesus throughout his time on this earth, he drew lines constantly. It, it, there's, there's a very famous preacher that likes to say, Jesus didn't draw lines, he drew circles. Um, and on some level, that's true, right? Because he drew circles around others that were excluded by society, especially the religious hypocrites, right? But he also drew plenty of lines. He said things like, if you wanna be my disciple, you gotta pick up your cross daily and follow me. He's saying, you gotta die to self. You have to become my slave. That's drawing a line in the sand. He said things like, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery, 
But I say, if you even look upon a woman lustfully, you've already committed an adultery with her in her heart. That's drawing a very distinct line. And not only that, he moved it. Like we thought the standard was here, like don't go through with it. But he says, don't even thank it. He drew lines all the time. And so as a result, there were people that believed who he was and people who didn't. And when you accepted who he was, guess what happens? Oftentimes, just like today, if you're going to follow Jesus the way that he requires, you're going to find others pitted against you. You're going to find others treating you differently. And so that's not the type of peace that we're talking about. His peace is different. He came to bring peace between God and man. And that's the kind of peace that is peace within, peace in the heart and peace in mind. In John 16, he told his disciples uh, very, as he neared his end, as he neared his death, he said, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. He didn't say so that you can have peace from everyone who threatens you. He said, so that you may have peace in me. He says, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. How's that for some encouragement in the Christmas season, right? Hey, peace to you all. You're gonna have lots of trials and sorrows. Merry Christmas. But what does he say? He says, take heart because I have overcome the world. His kingdom is not of this world. He overcame this world and our peace comes from beyond our circumstances. This morning, I wanna quickly discuss with you three ways that Christmas can bring you peace. When you slow down, when you look closer and you truly begin to ponder and consider in your heart what was given to us through the baby in the manger. Number one is this. Christmas brings us peace by reminding us of God's power. How does that bring us peace? Check this out. Luke 12, verses four through seven. Jesus said, dear friends, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot do any more after that. But I'll tell you whom to fear. What? Fear God who has the power to kill you and then throw you into hell. Yes, he's the one to fear. This, does this sound confusing to anybody? And so he's talking about them and saying, hey, don't have fear. But he doesn't just say have fear. He says, fear God. So he introduces a very found, foundational teaching here to the Christian faith that peace actually comes not from a lack of conflict, but from the right kind of fear. He doesn't tell us not to fear because no harm will come to us as long as he's around. He tells us to direct our fear toward God because he is by far more terrifying than any man or any circumstance that you will face. So how can this fear bring us peace? It's in this. It's in recognizing that God is more powerful and more terrifying than anything else you fear. Now, my good friend Autumn is sitting over here. Uh, do you guys know Autumn? Clap if you know and love Autumn. Autumn is an amazing woman of God. If I need her to pray for me, I can call her. She's going to pray. If I need her to do something, she's going to say yes, even when sometimes she should say no. I mean, she's just a wonderful person, right? But imagine I'm at home 
and I have armed, masked men outside of my house threatening to harm my family, and I call Autumn's house. I love Autumn, but I'm telling you right now, she answers the phone, the first words out of my mouth are, can I speak with Jonathan, please? Because as sweet and awesome and loving as Autumn is, Jonathan's dangerous. Jonathan's got guns. Jonathan's got bow and arrow even. Jonathan knows how to handle himself. And so here's the deal. When life is peaceful, you seek out peaceful people. But when in times of war, you want somebody dangerous. See, the amount of peace you walk in is in direct proportion to your understanding of God's power. When death, the ultimate source of fear, right? Think about that. Is there anything more terrifying than death? Especially if it comes slowly, right? At least to the world, right? When that was defeated, there was nothing else to be afraid of except for the one who defeated it. The first among the resurrected, who was Jesus, said, do not fear death. So I realized that I can take comfort in knowing that God is more powerful than anything I fear. But how can I have peace if I'm still terrified of the creator? How can I have peace if he makes the mountains tremble, but I'm trembling too? What keeps me from trembling? The answer, I think, is found in what Jesus said next. He poses a question so that not only will they consider how terrifying God is, but how much he values them. Look at verse six. He says, what is the price of five sparrows? Anybody know, by the way, how much does five sparrows cost? I'm interested in buying some. Uh, Two copper coins, yet God does not forget a single one of them. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Shut up. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Number two is this. Christmas brings us peace by reminding us that God values us. That's an incredible thing. In Romans 8, 31, Paul puts it this way, and this is so beautiful. He says, what shall I say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not even spare his own son, rewind, what did he just say? Since he did not even spare his own son on your behalf, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? This terrifying, all-powerful creator of the universe says that you are of great value to him. And how much does he value us? The Bible says that God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, it's one thing, there's some brave men and women, maybe even represented in this room, that you or maybe you sent your sons into a war at some point to lay down their lives for strangers. But not many of us would give our newborn child to save a world that we knew would reject him, reject his love, and then punish him by death for the sins of other people. None of us would ever think of 
subjecting our child to something like that, and especially to come as an innocent baby, to grow up in this dark and corrupt world and to suffer this death. That statement that Jesus made while he hung on the cross, do you remember it? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Do you recognize what a powerful statement that is for you and me today? Because if he acknowledged in that moment that he was dying for the sins of even the very people that condemned him, even the very people that drove the nails in his hands and feet, even the very people that gambled for his clothes, for the very people that placed a crown of thorn on his heads, on his head, for the very people that ripped out his beard and slapped him and mocked him and said, hey, prophesy, who hit you? That's who he was speaking that over. And if he was willing to do that for them, we can be assured he's willing to do that for you and me. And he did it for you and me. So in conclusion for the second point, we live in a dark and dangerous world today. But I don't need to fear because the most dangerous force in the universe values me. And he's on my side. He loves me, period. That's all I need to know. I can step into any situation with an unshakable confidence because the terrifying, powerful creator of the universe loves me and values me. Yet even with this knowledge, let's be real, some of us struggle to, struggle to accept his love, don't we? Why? Because deep down, we're keeping record of all our wrongs. We know what we've done in secret. Uh, we know what we've thought about, we've fantasized about, what we've allowed to entertain in our minds. And we think to ourselves, we are not worthy of this type of love. And guess what? You're right. None of us are. But number three is what makes this so amazing. And this is the heart of the gospel story. That Christmas brings us peace by reminding us that God has forgiven us. It's all that comes down to the reason why he can love us in spite of all of our flaws is because he no longer holds them against us. Check this out. This is some powerful verbiage here. In Isaiah 43, verse 25, God says, I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. And I will not remember your sins. That term blot out means to wash off. It's to erase completely so there's nothing left as if it was never there. Imagine you committed a very, very terrible crime. We'll say like first degree murder, right? We always think that's the worst, right? But all the witnesses that saw what you did are dead. The only evidence against you is found in a file with their written and recorded testimony. The judge possesses this evidence against you. He takes the file and he throws it in the fire. Not only that, but he supernaturally can't remember what it said. This is what has been done for you and me. This is the reason God can love us the way that he does. 
because the blood of Jesus has not just caused him to pardon our sin. The blood of Jesus has not just caused him to overlook our sin. The blood of Jesus has not just called him to, caused him to delay our punishment, but the blood of Jesus has erased your sin. And the blood of Jesus is the most expensive uh, sin offering that could ever be offered, and it's powerful enough to erase even the most worst imaginable sins that you could have ever thought about or actually acted upon. In Ephesians 2, uh, verse 8, 13 and 14, Paul says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you, take, you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. So when someone hands me a gift at Christmas, I don't run around with pride bragging about what I have because I didn't earn it. I didn't create it. Someone simply handed it to me because they chose to. And so there's no basis for pride. There's nothing I could have done to, 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 to get this gift other than just to receive it. And that's what the Bible teaches us salvation is. And so not only can we not boast, but we don't have to worry about constantly trying to earn it because it's already been given. He says, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people in his own body on the cross. He broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. God made us level with his chosen people so that we could be brought into the family as adopted sons and daughters. There's a peace that comes from knowing that you belong. There's a peace, even in the natural world, right, that comes from knowing that you belong. There's all kinds of research on the effects of foster care and adoption on kids. Check this out. I learned that adopted kids experience better mental, behavioral health, and success in personal and educational endeavors. Not only that, but adopted kids experience rapid gains in those areas shortly after being adopted. If there's something about the finalization of that, of saying, there, I have removed all doubt that someday you'll be taken out of this home too that someday you'll be removed. There's the finality of like, I am a permanent part of this family that causes these children to be able to develop rapidly. And though they, some of them may never catch up to what was lost as a result of abuse or neglect, they make rapid gains simply from the permanency of being adopted. But if you contrast this with children that grow up in group homes, they are more likely to test lower than their peers in English and math, less likely to graduate from high school, and more than twice as likely to be arrested as those placed in foster homes. There's something about belonging to a family and having a father that can restore peace to your heart. See, when you've been adopted into your heavenly father's family, you don't just have a place to call home for a lifetime. You have God as your father 
and heaven as your home for all of eternity. This, my friends, is hope. This is what Christmas reminds us of. I remember as a a teenager attaching way too much peace to a girl I was dating. One of those uh, relationships as a, a young teenager that turned into a fatuation really quickly, right? Obsessed with this girl, probably scared her. I was a weirdo. <laughs> we started talking about marriage. We're 15 years old. And we're like, as soon as we graduate high school, we're getting married, right? And not to mention this was after like six weeks of dating. So you guys have heard this before, so I'll tell you the short version, but she invited me to come to youth camp with her. And I'm like, this is awesome. I'm gonna get to be with my girlfriend all week. We get to youth camp and we sit down to lunch, which is the first thing you do. We just arrive, you unload your bags, go to lunch. We sit down. She breaks up with me in the cafeteria. (laughs) Did you just invite me to camp so you could dump me? Like what in the world is going on? So of course... As funny as that is now, wasn't funny at the time. And any teenagers in the room, you know, if you've ever been in love or in deep infatuation with a girl, man, that hurts. And that's what I was facing, extreme hurt and pain. I cried half the night. It was, I know, it was embarrassing. I shouldn't even be telling you this. I'm like losing my man card and everything, right? I was, I was so brokenhearted. But because of that broken heart, I began searching. And I opened up my heart. Jesus. That night at church, I came to the front of the room and I lifted up my hands. And as the music began to play, I was so broken because I felt so powerfully for this young lady that I just cried out to him, Jesus. Let me tell you, in that moment, I felt something I'd never felt in my life. The presence of God overwhelmed me. There was heat all over my body, chills all over my body, and it felt as if all that heaviness was literally coming off of me, like it was just oozing out. And God healed me in that moment. Was I still sad now and then thinking about her? A little bit, but man, I've never gotten over a girl that fast in my life because there was a revelation firsthand that took place. The God of peace entered in my heart in that very moment and he assured me that he's powerful, that he loves and values me. He assured me that he had forgiven me of everything I'd done and he brought peace to my soul. This morning, God wants to do the same thing for you. I'd like to invite you just to bow your heads in prayer with me. This family we're talking about today is the church. Not just this church with a little C, but church with a capital C. Every church across the world represents the family of God. And we enter into that family through adoption, through the blood of Jesus, by repentance and by placing our faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. And the Bible says that to all that would believe, he gave the right to become sons and daughters of God, to belong to a family of eternal hope. This morning, I wanna extend that invitation to any of you today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're in here today and you say, I want to be adopted into God's family, 
Maybe you've never known his peace and your life feels a lot like constant anxiety. Maybe you even experience times of panic where it's difficult to breathe. Or you just feel the weight of the world pressing in on you and you've never known this peace that God has to offer. You say, today, I wanna be adopted. I wanna know that I've got a father who's eternal and a home that's eternal. If that's you, and you wanna receive Jesus today, you wanna be adopted into his family, would you lift up your hand all across this room so that we can pray with you? Amen. Just lift it up real quick. Nobody's looking. Amen. I wanna extend this invitation to anyone watching online as well. If you pray this prayer with us in faith, you'll be adopted into God's family today and you can receive his peace today. Would you guys just repeat this prayer after me? with all of those that are receiving this invitation, say, Dear Father, Eternal Father, thank you that you are all-powerful, that you have the ability to destroy my body and to destroy my soul in hell, but instead you show mercy to those who place their trust in you. Forgive me of my sins. I'm choosing, I'm choosing to trust in you, trust in you. that you died for my sins, that you, that you, sins. Rose, from the dead. you rose from the dead. Come into my life, Come into my life. and I commit my life to you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Would you guys just give God some praise? And I'd like to invite you to stand if you would as we close, and here's what I wanna do. Maybe you're here today and you're like, yes, I have experienced God's peace. I'm a follower of Jesus, but if I'm being honest right now, I failed to open the door of peace so that I could re-enter it. I haven't learned how to remain in the room, how to live in Jesus Christ so that his peace can guard my heart and mind. And right now, Pastor Joe, I'll be honest and I'll just say, I'm struggling with fear or anxiety. If that's you today, can you help those around you by lifting up your hands so that they're not afraid to lift up their hands too, amen? Praise God, plenty of you, plenty of you. Here's what I wanna do. I wanna pray for you, but I would like for us to end our time together by just packing the front of this room. We're gonna come together. We're gonna sing about God's peace this morning, amen? So let me pray for you and then I'm gonna invite you to come. Father, right now in Jesus' name, I thank you, God, for the peace that comes um, through the birth of Jesus and his death and resurrection. And we thank you that we're reminded of that today. And I lift up those, Lord, who feel overwhelmed by the pressures of life right now, that instead of being anxious about these things, they'd come to you in prayer. They would step through the door of peace again, Lord, by offering prayers unto you, by giving you thanks, by worshiping you, God. And they would learn to remain there, God, to walk in the spirit, as scriptures say, so that they will not uh, satisfy the desires of the flesh. And God, I just pray that right now, like you did for me at that youth camp in Prescott, Arizona years ago, that you'd give them a fresh revelation of your peace as they come today and they lift their voices in their hands, Lord. Meet them where they are. 
and remind them of your peace, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Would you all come down to the front now and let's sing together.
pray, Lord, that as we meditate on what we've heard this morning from your word, that it will impact us throughout the week. Amen. You can go back to your seat and be seated for a few minutes. We'll be taking the offering and making the announcements. This is Mission Sunday. And throughout this last year, our theme for missions has been across the street and around the world. And we've talked about various ministries that, Im that we impact that are local as well as global. And in another month in, in January, we have the opportunity to participate in a ministry across the street and globally. Human trafficking is a, a major big deal, not just in other countries, but Arizona is a huge human trafficking crossroads. And next month in January, we're going to be participating in helping and bringing um, hope and attention to that. Please watch this video. I walk because the average age in Arizona of those that are being lured into sex trafficking is 13 years old. I walk for the one, the one victim that will be rescued, the one buyer and trafficker that will be caught and convicted, and the one survivor that will find freedom and restoration and recovery. It's all about the one that adds up to the many. I walk because it makes me part of something that is absolutely humongous as far as changing someone's life. And I know that I've needed to be rescued and I just love to be part of the fact that I am being part of rescuing someone that really needs to just feel loved, loved, loved. I walk because I want to help people. I walk because over 300,000 victims each and every year are lured into sex trafficking. I walk because it feels so good to know I made a difference. So on Saturday, January 20th, we're going to participate in the Stop Traffic Walk out in Peoria. You can sign up on the website um, or use the QR code that's up on the screen. Um, it doesn't cost anything to walk, but at the same time, we're taking donations in order to help Where Hope Lives, which is a, strip, a, a, a human trafficking ministry. So that's coming up in January. Tonight, we have the privilege of again across the street. We're reaching out to our community through our hayride. Six o'clock tonight, we want everybody to come out, bring your family, bring your friends. This is a time to get to know the neighbors within the community. And we've heard from several already that they are aware of what we're doing. They like the impact that we're having on the community. So six o'clock tonight, you need to be there. Next Sunday is Christmas Eve. And because it, Christmas Eve is on Sunday, we're going to be having our Christmas Eve service at 10 a.m., the regular service time. It will be a one-hour service, so you can come with your family, your friends, enjoy and enjoy Christmas.
Mission Sunday. So that means that everything that comes into the offering that is not designated as tithes or a specific offering will go toward missions. Help to help ministries like Stop Travel Block. So three ways you can give. You can give um, in person. There are buckets at the back. As you walk out the door, you can drop your offering in the bucket. You can give online through our app or through our website. The third way that you can give is you can mail a check into the um, address that's up on your screen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you give us the opportunity to make a difference across the street and around the world. And that through our giving, we are impacting ministries locally and globally. I pray, Father, that as we give this morning, you will bless those who give, that you will be um, with those who can't give, give them the opportunity to give, and multiply all that we give for your honor and for your glory.